Boo. Hello, hello? I can't hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Humiliating hello. to blame this on a cat, but I'm pretty sure Boo just hung up on you. So. <laughs> Welcome to the bookstore. It's like a book club, but we actually read the book. I'm Becca. And I am Corinne. And let's see. I don't think we have much new news, but it is nearing the end of February, which means that March's bookstore prompt is coming up quickly and it is to read a book with a name in the title. You can interpret that however you would like. Um, you can choose the name of a person or a company or a place or whatever. Um, we just happened to both choose the names of people. Becca's pick is Bless Me Ultima by Rudolfo Anaya. We're going to be reading that first. And then my choice is I Tichaba, Black Witch of Salem by Maurice Conde. Um, and then April's prompt, Becca's like way far ahead. You have something picked for environmental fiction. What did you choose? Yes. Uh, trying to be proactive when we can. <laughs> but <laughs> um, my pick is Latitudes of Longing by Shupangi Sharoop. All right. And I am still determined what I want to read. Um, April is also an extra book month, so we'll be posting a poll for our patrons to pick what we'll read for that, um, probably around the end of March. Um, I don't, I think, but in the in the last couple of years, we've made these extra books match the prompt, but I think we're just gonna we're gonna freewheel it this time and, mm -hmm. and do wild card picks. Um, so. You, if you're interested in voting for those or if you have suggestions for things you would like to read, you can let us know. Um, our Patreon patrons will be voting for it. If you want to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash the bookstore. Uh, so <laughs> we'll move on to, to the book that we read for today, um, which is Jamaica Kincaid's My Garden, parentheses book close parentheses colon <laughs> yes <laughs> um, for episode and book content warnings you can always check our show notes it would be impossible to spoil this book um <laughs> so yes i don't think we'll be doing that february's prompt was to, to read a, a memoir written by a writer um jamaica kincaid is a, a novelist and so that's what we read becca has a description yeah, uh, like you said, Jamaican Kincaid, she is a, a writer from Antigua. She lives in the United States now in Vermont. I believe she's a professor at Harvard, but maybe probably does some other work, too, <laughs> around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's written novels. Famous ones are probably the most well-known ones, I would say, are probably Annie John and Lucy. She's written short stories. She writes a lot of nonfiction. Where I first read her was her book, A Small Place. Place, which is a critique of the colonization of Antigua and the tourism industry and how that affects um, like post-colonial countries. She is also apparently a well-known gardening writer. I didn't know that. Um, but so My Garden is a collection of essays published originally in 1999 by FSG. And there is a new edition coming out in July of this year by Picador. It is a memoir about her life with gardening and so much more because it's Jamaica Kincaid. So, of course, there's going to be more um, in there. There's plenty of passages about picking flowers and attending gardening shows. But there's also she also writes kind of about humans history with the natural world and with plants and what that means to us as people. Yes. So, yeah. What did you what did you think of it? 
as a as the gardener out of the two of us <laughs> a resident gardener i liked it i think i was surprised well one thing i haven't really I, there there is like a whole you know genre of books that is just like gardening books and and people's feelings about gardening etc not just like informational gardening books um and it's not something that i've ever really read before so i just kind of assumed that it was just it was going to be like people effusively you know um writing about what they love about about gardening um and the practice of gardening and i will say that i was surprised to find out that she is a bit of a complainer um Mm -hmm. which at first maybe rubbed me the wrong way a little bit i will say but then i also realized um oh, oh right um i'm also a complainer <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe it was one of those um things where it was like i see too much of myself right here <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um i guess I, I didn't necessarily expect it to be quite so much of uh like like strictly just kind of essays I think I really did enjoy it once once I got um, kind of into like the groove of it, though. I will say that I don't know that this is like the type of book that people who generally like the books that we pick would really be drawn to just because it is it's kind of like mm, it's kind of more more nonfictiony than even like the nonfiction that we tend to pick out. But um, I did enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah, I liked it, too. I think when it comes to like, yeah, people who sort of like what we usually read this is very different and i think it would be easier to encounter a lot of these essays how they were originally published which is in the new yorker in these literary magazines in gardening (laughs) magazines right as opposed to reading them all at once right for me i again i really liked this there were Mm -hmm. a lot i pretty much skipped over any sort of scientific names for plants (laughs) i recognized a lot of them so yeah (laughs) and um there were a couple there was one essay in particular where she goes to the UK to go to a gardening show. Uh And I found that kind of a little bit boring more so than the other ones. Yeah. Some of them I struggled with more than others. I really, really enjoyed in particular, like the ones about um, what it means (laughs) that, you know, like botany, because it is a huge interest of hers, but like what it means that like, the reason that the science kind of exists and who it was shaped by are also the people who, you know, like enslaved her people. Um, And, you know, what it means that that like white European men are the ones who really like shaped that study and field and how the colonization of um, people in societies also meant the colonization of plants in the natural world and stuff too. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting and important to think about. Um, Cause I think it's something that like uh, until fairly recently was kind of like overlooked broadly in like scientific fields. Yeah. I think those were my favorite when she talked about the intersection with that. And it's because she writes about Carolus Linnaeus, who, if you remember from like seventh grade biology, (laughs) he like (laughs) named started the scientific classification of plants, which it is like remembering like how long ago it was that we learned that kind of thing. Again, obviously, I didn't go into biology in college. I'm sure it goes into it. But like as a general sort of education 
and how like important that is and like <laughs> like 12 year olds are trying to learn it is just kind of wild yeah but i have a quote from the book about this um about the system that was invented so she says she writes the invention of this system has been a good thing. Its narrative would begin in this way. In the beginning, the vegetable kingdom was chaos. People everywhere called the same things by a name that made sense to them, not by a name arrived at by an objective standard. But who has an interest in an objective standard? Who needs one? It makes me ask again, what to call the thing that happened to me and all who look like me? Should I call it history? And if so, what should history mean to someone who looks like me? Should it be an idea? Should it be an open wound each breath i take in and expel healing and open the wound again over and over or is it a long moment that begins anew each day since 1492 1492 being of course when columbus arrived in the you in north america yeah yeah the americas yeah yeah so i really liked that because i think it shows how it's she's sort of conflicted about it like she loves the plants and especially the fact that she moved away from Antigua like she grew up around all of this green she writes about that too how the island is just green 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 that's all you Uh see which is very different from where she lives in Vermont in is that considered New England Mm, I don't know eastern United States right (laughs) northeast northeastern United States and that's so different than that and how it's her joy in leaving the place where she came from but then i don't know also like the how she feels about what was you know the colonization that was done to the antiguans especially since she's a descendant of people who were enslaved and brought over to antigua Mm -hmm. as well so there's like an added layer of that yeah i don't know i like those parts a lot one one thing I wanted to bring up when talking about the um, the naming of plants um, and botanical names, scientific names, et cetera, it reminded me recently that um, is it the Audubon Society or yeah, who, the birds they're renaming birds, um, which I think is great. <laughs> so yes. instead of having um, you know birds be named for for you know probably people who did not so great things, um, I think the the one that I'm thinking of specifically off the top of my head is the Stellar's J. It's named for a man um, whose last name was Stellar. Uh, he, they'll be named more for their their common names at least will be named more for um, their physical attributes and they'll start using those in scientific um, like literature and journals and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's that's at least a step in the right direction to to remove uh, the associations with um, with who gets to quote unquote like own nature. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's an interesting step in the right direction. And also I just I don't know I I, I really felt like pretty acutely like that discomfort that she has with loving botany with loving the science with loving these things and then also the way that it's so tied up with like the history of the world um and who you know got to write all of that history and who got to write all of the science um and and just like i don't know having to sit with that and feel that constantly um and sometimes be reminded of it in really difficult ways in ways that are like much more acute to her than they would be to me too so 
Yeah, I think she does. And I mean, it's one thing that I like believe one of my most deep beliefs, I think, is the fact that like we should all be able to live in discomfort while still like being uncomfortable with things that we like while being able to enjoy them and criticize them. Like, I think that's a skill that people need to learn how to do is that it is okay to feel uncomfortable and uh-huh. still be able to enjoy something and still be able to criticize it. And I don't know, I maybe even learned it from her reading a small place, but cause she talks about that a lot. And I think it's something that like, I don't know, is really important to do is like you, you don't have to just and not everything has to cause you just like complete and utter joy and like you don't ever have to feel bad about anything like that's just not realistic and learning how to be uncomfortable and also like and appreciate something is really good thing to do and yeah I think that definitely some of these essays she talks about that yeah I'm trying to remember oh here it is there's this line um she says uh so she's talking about greenhouses in this um, essay, basically because of the way that the greenhouse had to come to be because um, these people were taking plants um, and growing them in places that they didn't belong. Right. Um, so she says, I do not mind the greenhouse. I do not mind the botanical garden. It is not so grand a gesture on my part. It is mostly an admission of defeat. To mind would be completely futile. I cannot do anything about it anyway. I only mind the absence of this admission, this contradiction. Perhaps every good thing that stands before us comes at a great cost to someone else. That's like you said, that is the discomfort that like you have yeah. to learn how to live with. Um, yeah. And I guess a- at least acknowledging it is a step in the right direction. I don't know. Just to follow up, Vermont is part of New England. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to like, I didn't want to accuse them if they no, I know. did not believe in it. I will say um, <laughs> to get back to kind of a funny subject, but you said she's kind of a complainer. Uh-huh. When she started complaining about winter, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? You're in Vermont. I like, know. <laughs> <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> I felt it deeply though, because I also have the same feeling like that when it gets cold, it's never going to be warm again. <laughs> you know, like I I feel that very deeply. Um, and yeah, I, I, well, I also liked particularly when she talks about May because May has long been like my favorite month um, because it's kind of like when the world also zone B uh, verging on zone six over here. So I'm in a very similar um, gardening uh, climate as she is. Um, but she, she talks about um, how much she loves May, and she's got this very funny little line uh, in it. That is May, the month I love the most, and when my turn comes to make the world as it surely as surely it will, I shall make May 90 days long. December, January, February should be allotted 10 hours each. I have not finalized my plans for the other months, but none of them shall exceed May. <laughs> and that is, yeah, that I, I also, so I really, like, uh, that resonates with me, that, like, that deep despair when um, the days get really, really dark and it seems like the cold is never going to go away. And then just like the immense joy that comes with May, which which is over just like so quickly, far too quickly. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind the winter as much as other people do. 
I just don't like driving in the ice. But <laughs> what it does, it kills me every year. I feel like the fall and the spring are shorter and shorter. And yeah. one thing I really hate is summer and heat. <laughs> um, I know everybody. That's probably honestly one of the biggest things keeping me from having a garden. I would love to. I've, I try to every year, but then I just let it go to waste because I can't stand going out in the sun every day yeah. to water. It's like a big production. I have to get all my sunscreen on. I have to wear long pants and long sleeves. I have to have a hat and my sunglasses. (laughs) I have to like only go out for like 10 minutes at a time and then like try to run away to the shade. Yeah, (laughs) it's bad. But but also I I get actually sick in the sun. I want everybody to know it's not just (laughs) me being particular. I get very easy um, sunstroke. But yeah, Um, I also I you know, I like that. I mean, she she sounds like she's got just like an absolutely incredible, huge space that she's able to garden. I don't have nearly as much as she does. Um, I do appreciate that she you know, she puts a lot of pain and like thought into, into thinking up these um, kind of spaces, but then she always seems to get it wrong. Um, That like, she's in this constant state of, I think she says fretting, like fretting is the gardener's like kind of eternal um, mode. Uh, And, and she, you know, she talks about the beginning of her gardening where she, she didn't really know where to put things and she would just put them places and, and it you know looked terrible and that is just what my garden looks like <laughs> so <laughs> I did that I bought a whole bunch of native plants at a native plant sale and then I put them all in my beds with no real thought to how tall any of them got so I have things that grow three feet tall in front of things that are you know like <laughs> basically just ground covering <laughs> so yeah uh, I felt that deeply um, but then she also kind of talks about like the sort of colonial ideal of the English garden being so neat and imposing so much order onto something. Um, and so mm-hmm. then I just felt more justified in my messy garden, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a, now it's a political statement. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, and I mean, I did, I genuinely really liked how much she talked about that kind of thing is how we're all supposed to do things these specific ways and like Uh what if we just don't and like yes sometimes it'll be bad but sometimes maybe you'll just like it and you'll be the only one to like it but that's okay you know it made me think too the way she talks about her garden and buying the house um that they buy that felt I felt very like this is like a cozy comfy read because Mm -hmm. I feel like right now maybe always I don't know we are so inundated with the idea that like your house is an asset yeah. to try to make money on as opposed to a place that is supposed to be a home. Right. And the way she spoke about buying her house and I know a house, obviously owning a house is like a very, very big privilege, but like it, that's part of what like kills me is because it's like so many people can't access this. And then there's also another group of people that are treating it as if it's like disposable. Uh, yes. Like, yeah, Oh, well you, yeah. it's not supposed to be for you like personal. It's supposed to be, what is your resale value going to be? And yeah, I don't know. I just really appreciated the way that she wrote about it. And especially, 
even with like she buys it from these kids who it was their parents house and it's the house that they grew up in and even though they didn't want to live there they still wanted all these memories yeah. from the house and i think that would be really really hard to do mm-hmm. i that don't know part, it's that part broke yeah. my heart um because i love the house I live in now, I like our neighborhood. I like the proximity to the things that we like to do um, living in the city. Like it's, it's nice and it's really convenient and I have memories here and et cetera. But, you know, I think about it and like this fall we lived with my mom in the house that I grew up in while we were having our kitchen remodeled. And every day I woke up in that house that I love so much. And I just kept thinking like, one day this will become available and I like it still it like breaks my heart thinking about not keeping that house forever (laughs) it sounds so dumb but like you know that's that's my family's home uh and yeah so like I I thought about that a, a lot with that chapter in particular and that's also like that's where I originally gardened too. We we gardened with my neighbors, um, two older widowed ladies, um, and we had a garden that we all kind of worked on together. Um, and then they also had their individual flower gardens and stuff. And I grew up in those gardens, and that's that's where I mm-hmm. learned and saw all those things. And so, yeah, it is very sentimental. It is. She does. She also talks later about how how gardening is like a memory. <laughs> um, you're like what you're working on for your garden is is a memory of something. Um, you know, like the the particular kind of roses that your grandmother grew or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. like yeah that that really (laughs) you know that struck out that stuck out to me too yeah yeah tearing up i don't want to lose (laughs) that house but i also don't want to live in the town that i grew up in (laughs) i know well i it's funny because it's the same i where my dad lives is where i grew up and he built the house too which feels like i know i I don't know it feels a little bit extra too knowing that like i don't know family and friends put in like the plumbing and the electricity and stuff and but yes it's really far out there it's not even on it's on like a gravel road Uh and it was a dirt road until like fairly recently in the last few years so it's like it's also interesting because i think you know in the united states uh there's this there's a huge pressure to like get out and leave and 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 go places right i mean and Mm -hmm. even you know when it comes to jamaica kincaid she left her home i mean she's getting much further away from her home than we we are right (laughs) so you know but uh yeah there is that there's that like pressure and so to me it, it would feel like a failure like literally moving back to my hometown which is this you know like small town quite conservative even though it's you know right outside of the place that i live now which is considerably less conservative but yeah you know yeah it's just i mean and it is hard and it's the same thing with where it sounded like she lived was really not very close to anything and it's hard now you don't people used to just drive like yeah a, a long commute every day because gas was like 10 cents or whatever you know <laughs> and i don't know it's like it's hard for me to imagine living somewhere where i couldn't just like walk down to the corner store yeah if In i wanted 99, to when this book was published so in the 90s anyway i i do remember gas being under a dollar sometimes yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
my mom's friend would pick us up from school on on Fridays and I'd go stay the night at her house or whatever uh and she because she had just gotten paid she would go and fill up the gas tank and I remember it being like 97 cents (laughs) I know it's like I remember my little car when I was in high school it was like 15 dollars to fill it up Uh (laughs) anyway we're old now (laughs) yes Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a hard thing to think about, too. And then I even think about my own house and how we went from an apartment to this not that long ago. And uh-huh. like, what what is all the shit in our basement? I know. <laughs> like, how did we get so much stuff? Where did we put it before? I know. Uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah. anyway... Yeah, I, I think this book is a little bit hard to talk about because <laughs> so much of it, as much as I liked reading it, I also was reading it thinking, oh, what are we going to talk about? Because a lot of it is just Kincaid talking about what different uh, rose varieties she likes. She's ordering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a really, I wish I would have listened to this on audio because I feel like it would be a very calming thing to listen to. <laughs> Yeah, just somebody, especially with a good audiobook narrator, just somebody like, you know, uh, gently talking about the different bushes and how she had somebody dig up a hole here and she's going to put the crocuses over here, whatever. (laughs) One thing that I'll talk about is being like such a level of gardener that I didn't even really know existed because like I have looked into taking like the master gardening courses through like our local like university extension. Mm -hmm. Um, I've thought about doing that before because I would like to be better (laughs) at what I do. Um, But one thing I didn't even realize was a possibility is that she sends seeds to greenhouses to have them grow for her <laughs> i was like man that'd yeah. be so much easier <laughs> me who just went to like the dollar store today to buy the tins that i usually like put start my seeds in and then i have to find a place that my cats and my child will not ruin <laughs> the seed starts <laughs> it's like i didn't know i could just like have someone with a greenhouse do this for me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I. Uh, it She's on a different me. level for sure, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to talk about her trip that she took, but before oh, that, yeah. I do want to say it did inspire me because I keep trying to do the vegetables, but then I never want to go, again, my problem with leaving the house, I never want to go outside to collect them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this has made me think I really just need to find the least the most hardy plants that I need the least care for and have it be like flowers or the other thing is you got to get into the habit of getting up early enough and going outside early enough to look at them because that's that to me is the joy of like a garden is going out every day and seeing what has happened since the last time you were out there um but you know it's got to be at a time when the sun doesn't feel too um aggressive (laughs) yeah and that's yeah yeah, that's just a routine too because i don't mind getting up early and obviously yes going outside early would be the best because then it's cooler (laughs) out but anyway it's hard to get out of bed when you have to go to work so i was like with all of her planning and stuff because that's the other thing i have a problem with (laughs) loving to make a list i love to look and research and then it's like never ending yeah, like yeah. because you can never know everything. There's always more to learn, and yes, that's also my problem. I yeah. just need to <laughs> pick something just, and order it. 
yeah, I just ordered all my seeds. Not all. I've got, I've got a whole, I've got a real Mitt Romney over here. I've got a binder full of seeds. (laughs) I literally do. That's how I, that's how I organize reference. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I just ordered the seeds that I needed to replace this year. And so, yeah, I'm, it, it is the exciting point where you're very hopeful and thinking about like all of the things to come and then and then by august it's like i'm tired of watering this and i'm not keeping up on the weeds and everything looks like a disaster (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah uh but yeah so to return to what you said about like her level of gardener so she takes this trip to China, which I'm so fascinated about everything about this yeah. trip. Yeah. It seems as though there's some sort of like touristy like travel agency that she booked to go with other people, like a group of people, only one of which she knows as a friend of hers, to travel around China and just collect native plant seeds in uh-huh. the wild and then yeah. bring it back. Now, I have a question. Uh-huh. I thought you weren't allowed to bring in. I know some countries like Australia and probably New Zealand and I would uh-huh. assume the UK. You can't even bring in seeds or plant life. You can't even bring in like an orange. I yeah. uh, When I flew into New Zealand, they asked us, like, have you been on a farm in the last month? And just like completely coincidentally, because the answer any other time of my life basically would have been no. But I had just taken pictures of my cousin's kids um, and they have horses. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they had to wash my shoes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I would have thought the same thing. And I, I also kind of would have thought that like, maybe there would be some sort of restrictions on what you could bring back just in case like it's an invasive species um right. in some respects but but then i was thinking about it more and i'm like i don't know plant people are weird and also like they'll mail you seeds from like all over the place like there are people who who like their whole hobby is just cultivating like basically illegal <laughs> illegal plants um and substances like you know like peyote um and and whatever so like uh, and and they don't even necessarily want it for the illegal uh you know substance you can create with it <laughs> they just yeah. want it to have it because like i think that is like the colonial mindset too in some in some ways is like i need to own this um but yeah uh so yeah i don't know i don't know if there is that much restriction on it because like you could also just mail these things to people so i don't know yeah i it was it was just so interesting because it sounded like everybody like the whole trip was just to collect Uh these seeds but then it was fascinating because it seems like they're just sort of walking around on these like hiking trails and they have to themselves like visually pick out which plants that they wanted and yeah. then collect I mean, seeds she, that way. To be fair, like she was with botanists and people who own greenhouses. So like these are people who would be knowledgeable, <laughs> like yes. very knowledgeable about it. But I mean, yeah, that, that would have been a really fascinating thing. And I wonder if she went on the trip as, you know, probably because she liked it, but I wonder if it was an assignment to, to write mm-hmm. about it, but I don't know. Oh yeah. 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 It was it was really I mean, it's funny because like you mentioned her complaining and like, yes, at sometimes sometimes it's like, wait a second, why are you complaining? But then also it feels so human, Uh (laughs) like so real Uh to be complaining about 
like the, other the thing squat is, toilets she <laughs> that is, she's not used to. She is, to be fair, aware of it. <laughs> yes. She's very aware oh, yes. of it. There's a guy on that trip that everyone kind of is annoyed by at first, although they all be they all they all come to really like him. Um, but they're <laughs> so like people are just griping about this guy being so annoying um and not liking him. And then at one point he goes off and um another woman on the trip asks uh jamaica kincaid who she thinks is going to be the the asshole like to fill the (laughs) void of this guy leaving and she says me (laughs) so like she she knows (laughs) um which like i because earlier in the book there were a couple things she did and said that were that when they when she said them i was like i don't think i like her um one being she's in the grocery store something she's at a store and the the cashier says to the person in line in front of her hi john you're so beautiful today and then when she gets up to the cashier she says why would you say that to that guy he is the ugliest man i've ever seen and the woman was like that's my husband And I was like, how could she have even, like, even if it didn't cross her mind that, like, this could have been her husband, why would you say that? (laughs) I know. Why would you say that to a person? I know. This, that's, like, not, I'm going to compare something that I've said to people, and it's not in any way she performed nearly as bad as what she said, but it reminded me a little bit of, like, I hate when people are like, so what do you do, like, for a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've said that to people, and I, at like, at weddings and stuff, who I don't know super well, and I can see their face, like, fall because uh-huh. they just don't have a job right now, or they're not proud of the job that they have, and yeah. I don't care. It's just, like, this thing that you say, but it's, like, that second of, like, oh, no, why did I say that? I'm not yeah. that person. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Again, never, I've never said anything remotely like <laughs> what she said but it was it was a bit of a like a I mean recognition. like that's not even just like that's not even just like a like a, a normal misstep that's wrong you know like like maybe you do think the person you're speaking to is pregnant even though I do stand by never ever ask you know if, yeah. if a person's pregnant but like maybe you really do think this person looks like maybe they're pregnant or whatever and you make that misstep you're probably never going to make that misstep again but like at least you had a reason to suspect that maybe the person was pregnant um but this one is like why would you go and question somebody saying something kind to somebody else <laughs> i mean if like felt- that one was so that one to me was just like it was so out of left field like just I mean and and again to her credit I guess she does like drive home saying like she's like burning up with shame and absolutely terrible about it yeah yeah (laughs) but then later she goes on to talk about I can't remember the woman's first name, the, um, the, the, the gardener, the very famous English gardener, her name, her last name is Jekyll. I know the last name. Gertrude, I think maybe. Yeah. Gertrude Jekyll. And she mentions, uh, it, just as an aside, because this this book is filled with um, parentheses and parentheticals. Um, as an aside, she's like, she's. I'm always surprised that she's such an ugly woman. <laughs> like, why, why did you do that? <laughs> I mean, I know she's long dead, but come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so those were the times where I was like, I think I don't like her. And then and then later on, I, it came back around. So I know. those are my two like main big complaints is let's not let's not, you know, go around judging people by what they look like. 
especially i mean either way either one is bad but it's especially funny to like say that about the the mrs jekyll because it's like how do you even know like this is probably like really old photos like you know (laughs) i googled her you know i mean she was just like an old woman (laughs) hold on i gotta google her now i mean she was (laughs) Yeah, okay. She was just old, and it's not very flattering. (laughs) The lighting. Anyway, (laughs) it was like there was moments when she was on the trip in China where she would get annoyed by her um, members of her group, and she would be like, I want to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't see that kind of... Uh, that kind of language being used a lot, I guess. I know. Anyway, she's... so it's like so shocking, but also <laughs> like comes off as like very hilarious. <laughs> she's, she, yeah, I don't know. She, I, I think, I think the self awareness of like and like the way that she, she does become embarrassed of, um, you know, the way that she the reaction reactions she gets, like when she, um, she says something about one of the people on the trip who's always offering other people water and she thinks it's weird the way that she says it. But then afterwards she's like, but then again, she's offering people water. I always just get my own and drink it and don't even think to offer it to other people. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, that is me. <laughs> that is me. I think, uh, I think I had a lot in common with like just these kind of quick, I don't know, uh, the way that sometimes I just, I, I freeze up in in social situations and either say dumb things or come off the wrong way or or don't even think about other people because I'm too concerned with like what I may be perceived as doing. I don't know. <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah, I the same. I've had to like work on like making sure to like ask people if they need help with stuff. Like if somebody's mm-hmm. carrying a lot of stuff because I just assume because I don't want any. I don't want to draw attention <laughs> to myself, so yeah. I don't want anybody to talk to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I assume everybody else is like that. And I've had to try to force myself, uh, you know, ask them if they need help. Like, yeah. it's the nice thing to do. <laughs> I know. There we go. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Those things um, at first that came off as like, yeah, like I said, a little bit like off-putting became, I don't know, slightly more endearing or just like I recognized myself in it more than I expected to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing I will say is that maybe maybe it was partially because it was a book of essays. And so there there is like a little bit of repetition, but it did seem like it could have used a little bit more editing just in terms of like avoiding that repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were just there would just be descriptions of of people and who they were that came up and like got repeated, like almost exactly word for word in different parts. And I would feel like, didn't I just read this sentence like a little while ago and i think that's probably because it's it's more of like a collected essays situation um, yeah so those would be like my that would be my main quibble with how it's written um otherwise i think she's got a very interesting style of writing <laughs> um the parentheticals are frequent does she did she do that in the novel that you read um i do read you recall uh, well i've read lucy and i've okay. read a small place and i'm pretty i know she I'm pretty sure she did it a lot in A Small Place, which is the nonfiction. I can't remember if she did it in her novel or not, but I think that definitely would be a marker of her nonfiction, I would say. It's a style thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that I don't know. That was just kind of an interesting thing. And and I know, like, when we were talking about the, the way that the title is formatted with the parenthetical and the colon, um, I now understand probably why it seems <laughs> it seems to be 
a thing she does. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I really honestly don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> I like I said, I did like it. I think that if you're not really into gardening or into very like quiet kind of books, probably just look look up some of the essays that are in it <laughs> and see if they're interesting. The China one, especially, I think is interesting to everybody. Yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Some of them get a little bit like, okay, I don't know how many times I need to hear about <laughs> the Jekyll lady and uh, her ideas of gardening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will end uh, like with this, the, the last sentence or two in the book. Um, she's talking about the Garden of Eden. Um, she says, Eden is like that. So rich in comfort, it tempts me to cause discomfort. I am in a state of constant discomfort, and I like this state so much, I would like to share it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's <laughs> complainers <laughs> uh, united, <laughs> etc. That is, uh. yeah. I mean, she has such a distinctive voice, and it comes through really well in a small place. I love uh-huh. that book. It is also like incredibly damning (laughs) to the tourism people who are Uh tourists so i like that i don't know sometimes i just like to get yelled at by people i think who are smarter (laughs) than me (laughs) but uh yeah that one um i would recommend for sure for anybody so basically read read jamaica kincaid any of her work Thanks for listening to the bookstore. If you would like to support the podcast beyond listening, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the bookstore or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find all of the ways to contact us at thebookstorepodcast.com. Our next book discussion will be Bless Me Ultima by Rudolfo Anaya. You can find it at your local bookstore or library and read along with us. The Bookstore is a production of Awkwardly Social Media produced by Becky Yunk and Corinne Keener. Technical and production support is provided by Josh Bourdon and Zach Titus. And John, if you're out there, thanks for listening. See you next Tuesday or the one after that. Bye. (laughs) 